author and spiritual teacher, Meister Eckhart. You might have heard of him because Oprah interviews him a lot. He has a famous quote where he says, if the only prayer you ever say in your entire life is thank you, it will be enough. If the only prayer you ever say in your entire life is thank you, it will be enough. Now, this idea of gratitude is certainly nothing new for us. We probably know inherently that gratitude and saying thank you to God is is a big part of what we do here on a Sunday morning. We gather together to worship and praise God, to thank God for all the ways that God is active within our life. And yet at the same time, I think you also know, just like I do, that this idea of gratitude can be really difficult to manage in our society today. Things aren't really set up for us to have an attitude of gratitude. Things are more set up for us to have an attitude of critique and criticism, right? And yet, that doesn't change the fact that as Christians, we are called to be a grateful people and to constantly remember and thank God for all the ways that God is active in our life and in our world. Even when things aren't perfect, there's still reason to say, thank you, God. I want to talk more with you this morning about this exact theme. We're going to be looking at two parables that Jesus offers that I'm sure you've heard before. The parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. But we're going to be taking a slightly different approach, a new angle, as we look at these familiar parables. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 15. That's where these parables are found. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. And I've titled this sermon, Rejoice With Me. Rejoice With Me. Please join me in a word of prayer. May the words of my lips... And the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions, to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. Amen. All right, open up those Bibles to Luke chapter 15. And if you would join me in rising as we read this gospel passage. Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 1. Now, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So, Jesus told them a parable. Which one of you? having a hundred sheep and losing one of them does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. Or, Jesus continues, what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. 
Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Friends, this is the good news. It's the gospel of our Lord. Speak to God. You may be seated. Now, as I said in the introduction, I'm sure that many of you have heard these parables before. They're some of our favorite sayings of Jesus, and they remind us about how, how long the lengths are that God will go to seek out those who are lost. And they also serve as a call for us to be looking out for the one person who is in need, to constantly be looking for that one individual who might need a word of good news in their life that day. I'm sure you've heard even really good sermons on these parables making those exact points. But as I was preparing for this sermon throughout this week and looking carefully at the text, I was struck by another part of the parables that I hadn't noticed before. This repeated phrase, rejoice with me, is used multiple times in this reading. Rejoice with me is what the man says, the shepherd says, when he finds the lost sheep and throws a party in his neighborhood. And rejoice with me is what the woman says when she finds the lost coin and then has a party in her neighborhood for all the people. Rejoicing seems to be a key part of this entire parable section. And if you look even a little more closely, you might notice the exact reason why Jesus is sharing these stories in the first place. You see, you have to go back before we even start the parables to those first two verses. Luke, 10, Luke 15, verses 1 and 2, where we get the context of why Jesus told these stories. We read that tax collectors and sinners were coming near to Jesus, and this was causing the Pharisees and the scribes to grumble, it says. The Pharisees and the scribes are off grumbling in the corner because Jesus is welcoming sinners to eat with him. And so all this is happening, and Jesus sees the grumbling scribes and Pharisees in the corner, and he says, listen, I've got a story for you. And then proceeds to tell the story of the lost sheep and the lost coin. Now you are beginning to see how this creates a new way of looking at exactly what's going on in these parables. Jesus is seeing the negative attitudes of the Pharisees and the scribes. And he comes back to them with this stories about rejoicing over even one who has been found. Jesus wants the Pharisees and the scribes to see that there's a better way to live. Jesus is this person who's initiating a movement in first century Palestine. He's getting everyone involved. People are coming to him and they're hearing good news for maybe the first time in their entire life. And it is a joyful experience for them. For those tax collectors, for those sinners, they were often shunned by society and left as an afterthought. But then Jesus comes along and says, no, 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 you belong here. Join in my joy. Join in the joy of the kingdom of God. And while all this is happening, the Pharisees and scribes are off in the corner grumbling about the joy that they're feeling. You see, Jesus is inviting the Pharisees and scribes to rejoice with him. Rather than grumbling and carrying a negative attitude, he's saying, listen, there is a better way to live and you are missing out. 
Scientists have been studying the effects of gratitude on the human psyche, the human brain, human happiness for a long time now. And I knew this as a fact. I knew that gratitude and better health went hand in hand. I had heard that before. But in preparation for the sermon, I did a whole bunch of research on this, and I had no idea just how profound the effects actually are. Listen to this. One of the studies that I read about, they encouraged individuals to take five minutes every evening to just write in their journal about things that they were grateful for that day. A five-minute gratitude journaling exercise. And they told people to do this every day for a number of months. And what they found is that this increased happiness in those individuals just as much as if those people had doubled their income. Five minutes of journaling your gratitudes every day will make you just as happy as if the boss comes in tomorrow and says, we're doubling your salary. (laughs) Oh, but that's not all, church. That's not all. They also found in the course of this study that this gratitude practice can deepen your relationships, improve your marriage, increase your energy levels, improve your sleep, lower your blood pressure, improve your productivity, and help you make more friends. And think about it. Don't we know that to be inherently true as well? We don't need science to tell us that people who are grateful are just more fun to be around. We don't need science to tell us that we'd rather be spending time with the person who's always got a positive attitude rather than the person who's always complaining about how things aren't quite right. You see, we spend so much time looking at this parables from Jesus about the saving of the lost sheep, the saving of the lost coin. But what I think Jesus is actually doing here is he's trying to save the Pharisees and the scribes. Our negative attitudes, the Pharisees and scribes' negative attitudes in the parables, it can cause us to miss out on the joy. And not only that, it can cause us to have real problems within our life and within our communities as well. Because there's been just as many studies done on the negative effects of pessimism on the human life and psyche and health. Right? The more negative you are, the more chance you have for heart attack, hypertension, high blood pressure, stress. The more negative you are, the more it affects the entire communities that you run in. We don't need science to tell us this either. Have you ever been around that person who just complains all the time? It changes the entire climate of the community you're in. That person at work where everyone's laughing and having a good time, and then they get to work late, and they're complaining about everything that happened that morning? Changes the whole feel in the office, doesn't it? We know these things to be true. And the truth is, is that Jesus calls us to a better way of life. Again and again, in so many different ways, Jesus is calling us to live a better way of life, to rejoice with him and simply be grateful for the ways that God is at work. Church, cynicism, bitterness, negativity, pessimism, these are all attitudes that are slowly killing us, literally killing us, and they're killing our communities And we can take it one step further and say, with clarity, they're killing our churches as well. Somewhere along the way, 
people have been saying lately that churches are going through a tough time, right? The glory days of the 1950s are long past, and our society has shifted, and suddenly people don't go to church like they used to. I've seen and read these reports again and again, always with some sort of nuance to it. But the truth remains that, yes, it's harder to be the church in 2019 than it was years past. But what this has done is it's created a compound problem within our churches. What this has done is it's caused us all to be maybe a little more on edge than usual. A little more worried about how things are going because church isn't as simple as it used to be. And so that causes negative attitudes to rise up. It causes people to be on edge and to be more and more critical of what's happening in their churches. And all that negativity is resulting in further declining churches. It's a cycle that perpetuates itself. And the only solution is to get back to who Jesus calls us to be. Grateful people who rejoice over all that God is doing in our life. Here's the truth. Are churches going through a hard time? Of course. There's no denying that it is hard to be church here in 2019. But is God still working in all of those struggling churches? Yes! Churches can get so caught up in thinking about their past, right? Oh, this is the way it used to be, and it probably will never be like that again. Or, I hope it's like that again someday. And you get caught in the past, worrying and being negative because the present isn't the past. But then there's another problem, too. There's another problem where people get so focused on the future as well. Hoping for the church to turn into something flashy and new and vibrant and exciting. And when you do either of these things, you're never actually taking the moment to rejoice over all that God has done right now for you as individuals, for yourself as a congregation. We have this opportunity today to see this play out. Today, we're welcoming new members to Reformation Lutheran Church. Today. And now we could look at this and say, you know, 20 years ago, whenever we had a new member Sunday, there was always 30 or 40 people joining the church. Or we could say, you know, if this church is really going to survive, we're going to need to be bringing in way more members than what we're doing today. Or we could say, thank you, God. Thank you for sending these people to be with us today. Thank you for sustaining us for 77 years and for all the new opportunities and possibilities that are before us right now. I am convinced that one of the best things you can do for your life and health is to be grateful. And science backs me up on that. And I'm also convinced that one of the best things you can do for the life and health of your church is to simply be grateful for it. Yes, there is still room for improvement, but rather than focusing on all that is wrong, what if we put that energy in rejoicing over all that God has done right? After all, this is how Jesus calls us to live. Reformation, I know things aren't perfect. There's room for improvement in our lives, in our world, and yeah, in our church too. I'm going to keep making mistakes. We all are going to keep making mistakes. But rather than getting caught up in all the pessimism and complaining and stinking thinking, Jesus calls us to rejoice. So rejoice with me, Reformation. Rejoice with me because we have new members joining today. 
Rejoice with me, Reformation, because our worship numbers are up. And listen to this. Our budget is $30,000 in the black. Rejoice with me, Reformation, because God woke you up this morning. Rejoice with me because a life of gratitude and praise is a way better way to live. Rejoice with me because Jesus left the 99 in order to seek you out. In order to seek me out and bring us to this place to be together. Rejoice with me, Reformation, because a life of gratitude and praise is the way that Jesus calls us to live. Amen.